Hey guys, welcome back to Teen Muscle Radio and episode number 44. So today we are joined by a very familiar face, that of Andrew Rogers. So for those that know Andrew, you'll know that he's a client of mine or a previous client of mine that I took through his competition prep this year for the BMBF Body Power Show. And Andrew's prep was awesome. And he got like inside out peels, which probably was one of my main motivating factors coming into like the digging stages now of my prep being like four weeks out. Trust me, guys, I've still got some of Andrew's pictures saved on the mobile device purely because (laughs) this guy did get super shredded and actually throughout the process showed such uh, determination and also like the way that he performed things in the gym, like lifts that you just wouldn't think would be possible throughout a dieting phase certainly opened my eyes up to sort of what's possible when you really put all your efforts into it. Um, So guys, I'm sure a few of you know Andrew anyway, but I'm super excited to have him on. And Andrew, like, mate, give any of the listeners that perhaps haven't followed us so closely uh, a little bit of an insight into sort of who you are, what you do, and potentially sort of roughly how you got into this this crazy scenario of being coached by me. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, uh, well, I've I've been in the gym for some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I've always done is, you know, I've always attacked things with kind of full intensity. I've always done well in things. Okay. But I've never taken anything onto like a competitive level. Mm. So when I first joined the gym, when I was probably about 17, 18, I had no interest in sport or PE throughout school but I did really find a love for the gym okay and I think I started like everybody you know I was the little kid wanted to get big and even in those starting years you know I looked up to the guy as he was ex-competitive bodybuilder and you know I took his plan and I took his great nutritional advice on kind of eat everything (laughs) because you're skinny and you need to grow and I implemented that yeah, for my first like two years through college. Okay. College was a prime time to grow because there's loads of breaks in order to shovel food into your face, <laughs> and that there was my point. And mm. yeah, I crept myself up to a rather fluffy, just shy of sixteen stone. Okay. So just shy of hundred kilos. Wow. Uh, and then I yeah, I became a bit bored of that. Sure. And. You know, realized I was strong and played around with a bit of powerlifting, and okay. then realized I was fat and unfit and played around with a bit of CrossFit, and uh, yeah. then realized I was injured and played around with some bodyweight training, and okay. then I kind of got into some endurance events. Yeah, so yeah, like I was going to get, I was kind of had a little bit here and there, and I've always kind of become good at something and never took it to that point and it was actually AJ put a post out on Facebook saying people looking to compete in 2017 mm-hmm. and on that one evening I thought that was going to be a good idea <laughs> <laughs> so uh, alongside my girlfriend we both inquired and you know that kind of set the ball rolling uh, my first kind of start and kind of reason to compete was just to give myself a really really big goal yeah uh, because I'd say, you know, I can walk around relatively lean, maybe at that beach body, you know, a point where most people would probably be quite happy with their physique. Sure. 
Uh, I'm never too far away from abdominals and things like that. So I just wanted to take it to that next level. And I knew that stepping onto a natural stage would push me to that next level. It's you know, something that I wasn't able to back out of. Sure. And that kind of started me my journey with AJ and towards the BMBF mm-hmm. stage. Amazing. Well, yeah, like I, I, I was kind of quite intrigued into sort of your your past history with sports. And I know that you've dipped and dived in several things. And it's funny how a lot of people tend to do that. Like you tend to dip and dive in, in lots of things until you find potentially the one that really fires you up and really gets yeah. you going. And likewise, there's there's some people that just continue to dip and dive like throughout their entire life. They do so many different sports. They keep trying new things and they just got a constant lust for like something else and like something yeah. else to chase, uh, which is which is pretty cool. Now, with your training, like before you came to me and before we started coaching together, like what, what was it like? Were you still following a, a, a very much a bodybuilding style split or, or was it more powerlifting based at that time? Because we had some quite, quite sort of drastic initial results that we saw. Um, uh, so what was your training like? Obviously, because of everything that I've trained in and about, and uh, mm. obviously it has been quite varied, but my approach has probably always been beyond probably my, probably my first two years because that plan was kind of written and I thought that was gold because Gospel. I was eight, 18 and stupid. Uh-huh. And you know, I, I didn't know anything better, so I just followed that plan. That there was just a very kind of bro body per, per day, five exercises, look plenty of volume in there yeah uh but then i guess i then went a lot more kind of down the powerlifting route you know focusing on the big three okay. has always been one of my things i've always liked having big benches squats and deadlifts mm-hmm. uh even when i was doing a lot of obstacle course racing i was still having like one or two squat sessions per week yeah so like squats were still in there because it gave me power to go up hills so but everything was a lot more minimalistic you know two three sets yeah not necessarily more functional more functional as in maybe around like the big movements but not all this dancing stuff that i'm still not too sure if it is functional unless you are using it for a sport and i wasn't really using it for a sport because i was dibbling and dabbling in too many different things yeah uh so yeah it was very stripped back you know, normally one top set followed by one or two back off sets just to get in a bit of volume and to see the numbers slowly progress. Okay. And what changed? So to give the listeners uh, an idea as to uh, sort of the time scheduling on things, we actually, me and Andrew had a short period of time where we were pushing up calories and in just a very short pursuit of some more tissue. And the check-ins that came in were just like probably the weirdest ones that I've ever seen because on the feedback sheet or the client the feedback that that Andrew was giving it was like I feel just as lean but bigger I feel just as lean but bigger every single week and the pictures actually like again regardless of the shreds that we got on the way down when we were pushing body weight up the pictures were just as impressive because it almost looked like you were literally staying a very similar body fat level, but gaining some tissue. 
And obviously we know with most individuals, like that takes super long periods of time. So so what, what changed with your training? And, you know, you're a clued up guy. So, so what do you think sort of happened over that period of time that allowed you to potentially put on or could we say regain or rediscover some tissue that, 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 that was gained in that period of time? Well, I think it is that big, big increase in volume per mm. body part. Yeah. Uh, having the fact that I've got a good strength base, I always believe, you know, if you're somebody with a good squat, then you're always going to probably take more out of a leg press or a hack squat when you start to add volume to it because you're going to yeah. be able to handle a lot more load. So, yep. you know, if, if you take something like the squat, which would probably be like my main lower body movement, when I was training, there'd probably be little to no other accessory work, probably the odd stiff leg deadlift thrown in. Yeah. Onto when I started working with yourself, where we're looking. <laughs> Two hour long session. Big, <laughs> you know, big amounts of volume, uh, lot single leg work. Uh, I think I was deadlifting like four times per week in some variation because <laughs> <laughs> I had two stiff leg deadlifts and a deadlift. Yeah. Uh, there were and plenty. And those rack pulls. <laughs> so I think just the sheer amount of volume, but I think I had that strength base yep. to be able to handle it. And for some reason, I can I can just recover from that stuff. Yeah, crazy low back recovery. High volume training. I, you know, the only thing, it's the time it takes in the gym. Sure, sure. But it's not normally the recovery. Come two, three days in, I'm, I'm ready to go again. But, you know, only probably coming up towards the very end of prep mm. was it starting to take a bit of a toll. You know, I was if I was rack pulling, I might be dropping a set on a stiff leg deadlift or vice versa because, you know, the lower back was taking it. And when you're that lean, you're wearing a belt is more painful than not wearing a belt. So <laughs> I ended up ditching the belt as well because I couldn't lay up with enough hoodies yeah, to, to use a belt. So I think, you know, it was that just big jump, big jump in on volume. volume. Mm, yeah, agreed. I think that, that that shows how much of an important stimulus volume is because we know that obviously increasing load over time is very important and getting stronger in the sense that we're putting more tension on the musculature that we're targeting it with. But at the same time, like it's been sort of highlighted time and time again that, that the volume is going to be one of the main drivers of hypertrophy and it, we kind of proved that in that short phase that we had raised volume significantly and saw some incredible initial results so that got us into a into a really good place and from there obviously we started the the contest prep phase now i, I want to know what were your what were your initial expectations like we hear all these things online like contest prep is just grim from start to finish and contest prep is like the sacrifice to win element and everything's going to be really tough and you're going to drag and you feel horrible what were your expectations like what was your perception of a contest prep before you got stuck into it uh, obviously, everybody likes to tell you how hard it's going to be, and yeah. I had plenty of guys at the gym telling me how they'd done one for four weeks and gave up, etc. <laughs> uh, with contest prep, I think what I was expecting was probably a higher level of hunger, mm. which 
to never be fair, <laughs> I've my hunger never changes. I'm generally always hungry, but it didn't get any worse as we went through prep. Uh, I think I remember saying to you on our carb up, 900 grams of carbs, and it was the hungriest I'd ever felt <laughs> in the entire prep. So, because there was just nothing substantial on that day, it was yeah. just rice in many, many different forms. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I expected to feel a lot more hungry. Okay. Uh, it was probably just the one thing, like, I hadn't really thought about the psychological effects and the day to day feels, which yeah. you know, to start with, probably our first half of prep. Obviously, we prepped for 23 weeks, so we started diving into a deficit 23 weeks out. Yeah. Uh, I'd say the first half, I felt comfortable. Mm. Yeah. I uh, I remember turning around to my girlfriend, Zoe, and saying, at 180 pounds, I was like, I feel really good. Yeah. I look really lean, and I feel really good. Mm. And I think it's just as I started to drop in and under that 180, probably about... 178, 176. So when I was, you know, within about half a stone of stage weight, yes, that's when things started to to get uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no better way, I don't think, to describe those probably last four, six weeks of prep as just uncomfortable. Everything mm. you do, I wouldn't be sitting on this wooden chair here if it was <laughs> prep. I'd be sat on a cushion because, yeah. you know, it hurt to sit down on any, anything. It hurt to lay down in bed. It hurt to walk along a wooden floor. Oh, lots of things became very uncomfortable. You know, that back cushioning is a massive bonus. And I'm appreciating it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people, like, will talk to people in their gym that have maybe done, like, a 12-week prep for a local show or something like that and, and get potentially the wrong perceptions of things. That's why... It's nice that we have this environment now where there are quite a few podcasts that people listen to that give a realistic expectation as to, you know, you diet for like 23 weeks. And for the most part of those 23 weeks, it was okay. And I can, mate, I can totally relate to you now in the, in the sense that the last stages, like you start to feel everything so much more and it's just so much more difficult and it's weird how you almost flick a switch and i think this is highly relative to like body fat set points and where people lie like obviously you said very much so the 180 pound mark i think it's for me this year like the 160 pound mark just getting below that and then everything below that's just not feeling so nice at all <laughs> and you know that's the uh, that's the uncomfortable part of contest prep is where you have to go that extra mile like getting to like 180 like you look sick at 180 for most yeah. people that's still really good but to get on stage and like show striated glutes well for you actually striated glutes came they on were a plate. there at probably um, yeah <laughs> at 180 they're probably there exactly. about 185 <laughs> so it was like it was for you for you it was like quads and things like that that came in later yeah. but to get those things you had to you had to dig deep into those 170s so, yeah, I think that's something that people need to realise is that potentially, you know, the, the arduous stages are more the latter part as opposed to the whole thing. Now, when it came to your confidence in your physique, would you say that, like, obviously you felt super good at, like, 180 and you felt confident, you felt probably athletic and things like that, and you were saying to Zoe you felt like you looked good. 
like when you started coming below that and obviously getting even more peels would you say that you got more and more confident with your physique and more and more happy with it or were you just less objective and did your feelings start to undulate more uh i it's a really tough one i think when i kind of got below that 180 and getting closer and closer to show day you'd have those days when you would feel amazing you'd feel like you looked awesome you had vascularity in places that (laughs) you didn't even know you had places Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) it's like wow uh and then other days you just you felt like nothing you you felt awful you i felt further away than what i was at the end you know before i started and i just just nothing felt good you feel weak yeah you know it's just one of those things every day is very different and you'd get days where you know i know there's something i post on instagram that's actually a couple of weeks out from the show i think it's about 10 14 days sure and there's some flexed poses and i never posted them before show because I thought I looked awful. And now I look back and I'm like, uh, you know, there's, <laughs> I'm not sure where the awful part was, but yeah, man. I just, to me, when I took those photos, I was smooth. Yeah. But looking back at them, I'm definitely not smooth on those images. So I think as you got closer and closer, kind of quite mixed reviews. Obviously, I did like, because it was going to an area I'd never been before. Uh, yeah, I do like the freaky. I understand it's not everybody's cup of tea, but you know those disgusting looks when you can see all the starvations. You know, there's part of me that loves that because I know how much hard work it takes. Yeah, yeah. You start to see people where you admire them for their leanness, and you notice certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing me and Zoe uh, found, and that was Jack Thorburn. There's a picture of his glutes. Yeah. And then like two fists. Yeah. We always name the fist bump. <laughs> well, when your glutes get so serrated that they look like two fists, you know, it's disgusting. Nobody yeah. wants a bump like that. It looks absolutely horrendous. <laughs> but it was that novel, like, yeah. I've got that fist bump, which, yeah. you know, that was one of our, you know, one of our things, you know, that we always joked about. Uh, so, you know, you got things like that, you know, that would really kind of drive you on. The other thing I used to find, like, get out of bed in the morning and you see the vascularity through your legs and separation through your quads and you haven't even got out of bed. Amazing. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you see things like that and you're like, wow, you know, this is, like, crazy lean. Uh, the other thing I know when I was practicing posing, if people were, like, walking through the gym, people would be like, wow, because <laughs> I'd been... I'd been hooded up for a long time, so a lot of people probably hadn't seen. Yeah. Or they don't see me walking around the gym wearing a hoodie and tracksuit bottoms, so I'm well covered, so I didn't look like anything. Mm. And then they see you practicing posing, wearing a lot less, and they're like, "What? Wow, you know, you you just look like an anatomy model." And it's yeah. You know, <laughs> I remember hearing that on the background of some of your posing videos, like yes. people saying. Wow, it's <laughs> yeah. incredible what the body can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were absolutely like blown away in amazement. And I think as you get into that really shredded point, it is the amazement. Yeah. But I've always summed it up, you know, the bodybuilding looks disgusting. And that there was one thing I always said to people, I want to look disgusting. Yeah. And I think I got there. 
Yeah, you have to almost be like a little bit weird and a little bit odd to want to chase that kind of thing. Because like you said, like for most people, it's not an aesthetic look. Like you don't want your ass to look like that. And no one, no one really aspires or looks up to that unless you've got that bodybuilder mentality that just wants to look odd. And wants to look... other... Yeah, it's, it's, it's the like that. The thing I'd get quite a lot would be like, oh yeah, I bet you got great abs. It's like, yeah, but... They've got veins running down them. You know, it doesn't look like the men's health pretty. You know, when you've got veins going down your abs, you know, it's not a desirable look. It's it's freakish. Yeah. So yeah, it is it. It is really pushing to that next level. But that is why I chose to do what I done. Yeah. Because I wanted to go to the next level. And it's yeah, it's about being different as well. It's about standing out because there's you know, like you said, there's probably. There's probably like a huge majority of people that can get to 180 pounds and look like the way you did, but there's a such a minimal amount of people out there in the universe that can get below that 180 and look like you did. Like there's so <laughs> there's so, such a minute amount of people in this world that can ever do that, and that like in my opinion is pretty much all up here. Like it's all mental fortitude. It's all how much mental quote-unquote suffering can you take because the people that can't take it never get there the people that can get there and experience it and probably like embrace it a little bit so whilst we're on that topic like getting to that point what do you think mentally took you there and is there anything like positive tools that you would say you used or an approach to your eating patterns that you used or just your general mentality that anything changed as a result to sort of take you to that point? Uh, going for like more the mental side of things. I'm, I'm very much an all or nothing kind of person. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'd have, I'd have quit two weeks in and I wouldn't have wasted my time doing it if I didn't think I was going to do it. Yeah. Sure. There was too much, you know, and equally I'd set it up in a way that it was too much because I knew it wasn't going to be a comfortable goal. Yeah. But I couldn't let everybody down. Mm-hmm. You know, too many people knew I was doing it. You know, I, I'd made quite a big thing that everybody knew that I was going to do it and, you know, it's that accountability to everybody, you know, because yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't have wanted to be the person, you know, I know that obviously when I was coming below that 180 mark, there were times, you know, I could have quit, you know, but, you know, you just pluck it up, you kind of go, you, know, you pull that bit of inspiration from somebody, you see that they're going through it, or, so, you know, you find that next thing to them push and drive you on. Yes. But, you know, there were times where, you know, if it wasn't, I was, you know, having yourself as a coach, you know, even having the people in the group, you know, people, you know, they were expecting to see me at body power. Yeah, I man. wanted to go to body power. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have turned up at body power without being shredded and stepping on that stage because I'd have then let myself down and wouldn't have kind of finished what yeah. I'd started. Yeah. And I think as it became uncomfortable, it was very much, I've got too much time invested in this. I can't quit now because you know, that uncomfortable point probably came in those last six, eight weeks. Sure. So it's like there's too much too much invested into it to quit. Mm. So I felt like you know, I just had to keep going, had to just dig deep and plod on. And 
just get it done and just find out you know the best ways to get things done uh like just within life and you know fitting in training and cardio you know i've taken like cardio for example i tried spreading it out into little blocks at the end of each session i equally just dumped it all on one day so or over two days so it was like right well i've just got two days of hell uh i never wanted it to interfere with my lower body training so i always stuck at the end of the lower body session which on a good day was about a two-hour session on a bad day was about a two and a half hour session to then go and sit on a bike for 40 50 minutes to crank out the cardio yeah you know, it made a long session, you know, it, it was a big part of the day, you know, a big part of my day taken just to training and it was some very, very uncomfortable sessions, especially when you're on a bike and you just, you can't turn the pedals and you can't kind of crank out that intensity, but obviously, you know, my cardio wasn't that high compared to many others. No, it wasn't. So it was always yeah. that thing like, huh, oh, some of these people are doing this on a daily basis, at least I've only got to do it twice a day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Twice a week. Twice yeah, a day. exactly. Twice like twice uh, a day. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was gonna say that to you. you know, the I, I think to be honest, like looking at your approach and looking at how much food you were still able to eat and how little cardio you were doing, it shows a lot to your start point and the way that we structured things. Because you know, your 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 food. I think you know, if I recall, it probably didn't get much below like two six thousand calories. I think two six, maybe uh, two think... seven. Or maybe I think, it, I think it went down to 255. Okay, yeah. And then so, obviously a little bit lower when we were peaking. Um, yeah. But other than that, you know, that looking at those numbers, like I think people would say psychologically that's a lot more rewarding <laughs> than sort of having to eat 1,800 or 1,900 yeah. calories and really be digging. So and, I think that highlights the importance of starting a prep in a good place because we were able to you know, work together for a little bit and get you in that good place. And, you know, you, you're also very much, very much in your favor. You came to me in a very good position and that, that very rarely happens. I made like a very recent YouTube video about this in the sense that a lot of the client results that coaches get are dictated upon the client's start point. And your start point was superb for a bodybuilding prep. So much so we had room to gain some weight we had room to trial a peak week like we had room to do everything and the only room that we didn't have was to do a diet break but to be fair there was never enough complaints or rationale behind doing one you were just sort of cruising through things so moving on to sort of eating and food a little bit yeah so i think a lot of people will probably want to hear some information on your eating and your <laughs> the way that you structured your foods because i think from the outside looking in people will be like andrew eats shit and that's <laughs> it and i think that's unfortunate with obviously the flexible dieting concept yeah. is from from a coaching point of view i give andrew macros and i'm of the awareness that andrew knows how to situate his macros throughout the day to provide satiety and also adhere to his numbers like as long as he's performing still in the gym like i'm not going to question what he's eating and he was over performing in the gym so i never really questioned it 
However, I'm probably, I'm pretty sure that probably quite a lot of people <laughs> will be questioning it. So yeah, <laughs> in regards to like how you set up your food, like walk us through, walk us through your approach to sort of like your day of eating and how you'd structure things in a way to allow yourself to have these meals that look so off plan when in reality you're very much on plan yeah pretty much every day just just looks like a cheat day mm. i completely understand you know yeah instagram can be very misleading obviously a lot of the things that i post that is one meal probably out of four or five meals sure and obviously the sacrifices have been made in those other meals uh personally i have a very sweet tooth and you know I'll do anything, you know. I couldn't go. I couldn't go through any sort of diet or prep without a chocolate bar. <laughs> and I think I've probably had a chocolate bar almost every day through my prep because it would have been topped on top of the muscle mousse in the evening, which is all my dessert-looking stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I just I very much situated all you know situated my food kind of more towards the evening. The evening was always where I, I found myself more hungry. I guess what would you have throughout throughout the morning then? Maybe maybe just walk us through like an average full day of eating. Uh, oh, so you'd wake right. up. So I'd wake up. Uh, pretty typical breakfast was uh, crumpets, I beans. That. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that that stayed with me for for quite some time, probably Did, until yeah. about maybe four weeks out. I might have started toning down. Okay. Yep. On the crumpets. Uh, <laughs> it you know it was very typical kind of, you know it's not too far away from your typical kind of bodybuilding food you know that, that there is the chicken and rice in there there were the salads going in yeah you know, i uh, and say it's one of those things i'm gonna have to go back through my fitness pal and actually see what it was i was i was eating but obviously a lot of the meals i structured around they were probably bigger meals okay probably only, probably only four meals a day because okay. it fitted. What, <laughs> what did you have around your workouts? Because I remember you having oats at some point in the day. So when did you train and what did you sort of eat before you uh, trained? My training was probably normally just after midday, probably about one o'clock time. So okay. I'd have had a, you know, an early lunch, probably around 11, half 11. And then I'd... Was that usually uh, like a stir fry, I think it was, wasn't it, for your lunch? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, stir-fries and stir-fry veg was quite a common one just because it's, you know, super quick and easy. I even got to a point where I didn't even stir-fry it. I just microwaved it, which <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, is it, isn't too pleasant. But uh, the oats normally came in after. The, okay. Uh, that was normally post-training, bowl full of oats. And then, yeah, Biscoff, <laughs> which I... Don't think I've actually had since prep. Wow, yeah. I've got like one pack in the cupboard and I had one and they were soft and I've just left them there and I've just not gone back to them. So that's a bit of a bonus for me because I thought I could happily sit there and rattle through packets of biscuits. Quite high calories. Uh, (laughs) I know, yeah, so I'd always keep all my meals probably as restricted through the morning and afternoon as much as possible yes. so that i could always have those bigger meals come the evening so you know that's very much the way i'd split it up i think uh 
coming close to the show, I was actually eating like a protein flapjack. Wow. Uh, that's when the Lux ones, they were low in fat and it was just enough and it kind of keep me going for the first three, four hours of the day. Yeah. And it just took away that food focus. Okay. I didn't have to think about waking up and preparing anything. It was wake up, black coffee, that bar, get on with everything. Probably gain an extra half an hour in bed because sleep was awful. Ah, uh, okay. When did and then sleep it, start to get bad, mate? I was, yeah, again, I think it is just when I came in, dropping under that 180 pound wow. mark. Okay. That there was just that there was such a point, you know. Well, 180 was so comfortable, and 179 was not so yeah. uncomfortable. Uh, so I think that's when sleep started to really go. Uh, you know, I guess that's where the entire strain of prep, you know, just started to really kick in for me was under that 180. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so all my calories would just be, I'd just try and situate them further and further back in the day as possible. Yeah, sure. That makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, I, I've said it a few times on, on podcasts and my posts with regards to like having pre-bed meals and that aiding sleep a little bit and also aiding like adherence throughout the day yeah. because you almost look forward to that meal. Like I think the first thing that I always, well, my days look very 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 similar on a day-to-day basis so but if i was doing a more flexible approach i'd almost definitely put in my last meal first so that then i just structure the rest of my day around that um i think that's a really good pro tip like for for people that potentially do struggle with a flexible approach is like put in the last meal so you can guarantee you're going to have something good pre-bed and then the rest of the day work your day around it so that like when you finish that second or third meal at like 1 2 p.m you're not like bruh i've got like 10 carb left and two fat <laughs> and you're like yeah. fuck i've ruined it like i've ruined my entire day and then you're stressed and you feel down and you want to cry and training probably goes down the drain as well <laughs> so i mean i remember there was one instance where i did actually interfere and i said to you this is probably not a good option um, I was wondering whether you remember. I told you to take something out of your diet. Now, do you remember what that was or not? I think that that's the one thing that we, we, we all hate. It's the, the good old Lenny and Larry cookie. Yeah, that's it. Because <laughs> it. so, yeah. it's the most densest, tastiest thing ever. But you know, you can just go and eat a normal cookie. Yeah. But how, how the... long were you eating them for? Like you had a whole one each day. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think that comes into very much the convenience. Yeah, okay. Because they were at the gym. Ah, so because they right. were there, it's very easy to, to pick up and have it. You know, probably way too frequent. And I will even tell people that they are probably one of the worst things ever because you're better off going <laughs> to Asda, buying a cookie and having no a protein, protein shake. shake. And you will probably be saving yourself 50 to 100 calories. But they were there. They were convenient, you know. And then they became really hard for the gym to get in stock. And then I stopped eating them. <laughs> which tied into when you told me to stop eating them. But it was very much, you know, yeah, that they were there. And it, it was that convenience food. And I think that's something that becomes very important. You, Especially as you come into prep, you don't want to be spending a lot of time. Mm overthinking and preparing meals and i know that's something which you know yes i did look forward to like my big evening bowls of pro yo and muscle mousse and protein cheesecakes and things but that would take a lot of energy just planning and working those out 
in a way that I could situate them towards the end of my day. Of course, yeah. So I know it is something that I would probably try and, you know, a little bit more of a structured, a bit more of a meal plan approach I'd probably take towards yeah. prep to take, just to remove the food focus. Yeah. Just so that I'm just fueling my body for what needs to be done. Still probably having, you know, something in the evening, but put, you know, definitely not going as elaborate as some of my creations. They were mad. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I was getting uh, worried. <laughs> so, like, on, on that topic of, like, mad creations and things like that, obviously we know that you were very articulate with the way that you wanted to approach food and you wanted to make it look pretty for Instagram and, and sort yeah. of, like, chopping things up in, in even squares and all of this jazz. Now, obviously, looking back in hindsight, you're probably thinking, okay, maybe next time I do a contest prep, I might not do it that way and I might do it in a way that's a little bit more structured and a little bit less food focusy. Now, yeah. is, is there other, any other things that you started doing with food or with your habits in the day that like were a bit odd, that, that were weird, that you haven't ever done before until you started getting super lean? Uh, uh, well, if we go back to the, the Lenny and Larry cookie thing, okay. uh, I used to cut it up into eight sections because okay. then I had eight bits of cookie. Because if not, I'd probably eat it in three bites. Yes. So, yeah, I do find you you find yourself cutting things up because it would slow you down eating them. Massively. So if, you, if you had a piece of chocolate, you'd break it into little squares. Yep. yep. So that you can kind of pick at it. Uh, rice cakes, you'd break them into four because then you've got four mini rice cakes rather than just one big one. <laughs> little things like that. Uh, eating, choosing bowls that suited the size of what I was eating. <laughs> so it yeah. didn't look like there was lots of left. So I, I always had a full bowl. It might be a smaller bowl, but it was full rather than a big bowl that looked empty. Yes. And I was generally eating most dessert things with a teaspoon because it lasts a lot longer. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I think a lot of these things are very normal. Um, yeah, but you, I would from a hindsight again perspective i would say that food focus is most likely increased when you are in this realm of trying to create these wonderful flexible dishes and another guy that actually was on one of the starting episodes of this podcast jack gad which i'm yeah. sure you probably are aware of through Suckbox, <laughs> etc because you know, you're one of um, he gave me a couple of creation tips as well during prep. Oh, <laughs> God's sake, Jack. He introduced me to, uh, to Philadelphia Lightest, which is oh, a godsend when it comes stuff. to creating stuff. Yes, yes, I do see that. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he also complained of a lot of food focus. And now in hindsight, I think, you know, he told me if he was to do another contest prep phase, he'd be very much in line with forming more structure and I think something that's personally helped me is just just having that structure, you know, just having having very basic but tasty meals that yeah. that provide satiety, and that I know that when I'm finished with the contest prep, yeah, I'll probably be a little bit more flexible with my food, and I'll open up to you know more cool options. And you know, if you scroll back on my Instagram feed around Christmas time last year, I was putting a mince pie on top of my damn oats. Would I dream? <laughs> would I dream of trying to do that now? No, I don't want to waste two hundred and eighty calories on a on a bloody mince pie just to top my oats <laughs> with. 
because you start yeah. you, when you have food focus unfortunately food focus doesn't correlate with satiety it correlates with a nice idea of some sort of recipe or some sort of creation that you want to create in your mind and it's going to go into a bowl and when that creation is there all you're thinking of is aesthetic taste 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 and then you forget satiety so you bulk up calories to hit this crazy creation <laughs> and then realize that oh my god like bis biscotti biscotti biscuits aren't that satiating and no. <laughs> they're and they're certain amount of calories each neither is the cookie and you know when you start to think of things from a bodybuilding perspective and like think okay what am i going to eat for maximum satiety and you start looking at satiety index you start looking at food volume you start looking at like calories per gram and then calories per volume and when you start looking at things a little bit more like that i think you can make the process just that little bit more easier from a satiety perspective but potentially from some people's perspective psychologically it might be more beneficial to have some of these like treat things in there um so yeah it's an interesting concept and i think that you know it'll be interesting to see when you next prep what your approach to things is now moving on like now obviously i think we're about maybe two months post show or something like that so we're quite yep. far away from, from, from when you competed. So you had a holiday and then came back. We were just talking yep. off air about how you're feeling and what what's happening. Well, sticking on just the topic of food focus, how do you feel like right now with regards to food focus? To be very honest, like how long did that food focus stay with you? And has it really gone yet? Or do you still have uh... those like, tendencies? I have to say, probably this weekend is probably the one weekend I'm not sitting there thinking, I really fancy. There's there's nothing I fancy. I feel like I'm a lot more kind of... You know, Level-headed? Yeah, level, you know, I'm not craving anything. I'm not, you know, like last weekend I really wanted a burger. The weekend before I really wanted a pizza. The weekend before, before I really wanted a cheesecake. And yeah. obviously, you know, pizza is something that I did eat or... Like up to four weeks out. Yeah, I know. Uh, but it's it's that going out and just not having the restriction, not going to Tesco's, picking up the Domino's Express one because it comes in at about six hundred calories. Whilst you know, there's that I want to go out to Domino's and I just want whatever I want without thinking about. It's that being able to eat free will without any sort of restriction, and it's. Yeah, I'm not, this is the one weekend I'm sitting here thinking, there's not anything that I'm really, really like, oh my God, I need this, I need that, I really fancy that. I'm quite happy I could just sit there and stick very strictly to my macros throughout this weekend, I feel. Nice. But yeah, like definitely, like holiday was, well, that was crazy, you know, giving me a table full of desserts is pretty dangerous yeah <laughs> especially when you're going like two three plates deep and people are like wow how <laughs> empty pit how are you eating that and i'm like the sad thing is it doesn't i just doesn't fill don't the hole fill <laughs> just, just going uh, i remember <laughs> after the evening after the show we went down into the restaurant at the hotel and you I had a burger, didn't you? Yeah, I had like a double burger and two desserts, and then went up and just demolished chocolate. Oh, and <laughs> you didn't tell like, me about that. 
was like, I don't feel, you know, I don't feel full. I could have sat down in that restaurant and had another double burger because they had some silly deal. And I was like, oh, what, 150? And you double up everything. They're like, yeah. So I doubled it up. And they're like, nobody's ever doubled up what was already, I think, a double burger. <laughs> so it, that was, it, was an, it was an extra patty and bacon for £1.50. And I'd already had a, I chose a double bacon cheeseburger. So it was three burgers, cider chips, onion rings, and then I polished off two desserts after. And yeah, you know, very, <laughs> you know, it did. It took a long time to kind of eat stuff and feel really actually full. full. Yeah. I think the weekend after that, I demolished a large Domino's and a whole cheesecake to myself. Ooh, and it wow. still didn't still didn't really fill me. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, you know, it's it, it has. It's probably taken these six, eight weeks to kind of feel like I'm normal and yep. that I'm full and there's no real thing out there that I'm craving. So I, you know, and I think a lot of it is how I set up my my competition. But I'd planned for that one day and I'd not, even kind of thought or looked at the long-term picture. Yeah, yeah. Which is obviously next time when comp comes round, be it next year or the year after, I will think of the long-term process and just think, you know, a qualifier, well, it is a qualifier because I'd hope to get a finals invite. So I'd be looking at things in a lot more of a long-term process, I think, whilst this year, you know, as big as the goal was, Yeah. It was a relatively short-term goal with that one thing of me getting into the leanest shape of my life. Not knowing that I'd loved the stage as much as I did. And now yeah. it's... Hey, I've got a whole different reason to go back on that stage. Because you than love what it. I, Because I love it. Because yeah. I love that feeling. I love that competition. You know, it's, you know, I've said to many people, the only way I can say is if that's what drugs feel like. I can understand why people do drugs. Yeah. Just being on that stage and getting that feedback from the crowd you know, was just absolutely amazing. So now when I go back on stage, it'll be for a whole different reason. Yes. Because I know I'll be looking forward to the stage whilst going through my first prep. I didn't know what the stage was going to be like, and I wasn't scared of it. I just wasn't very excited for it either. Yeah, you said the night but, before you didn't even want to get up. <laughs> uh, I was just... I was a mess the night before. Carb, carb coma. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's the combination of, you know, lots, you know, lots of carbs. Obviously, we'd spent a day at Body Power. You know, it had been a long day. And I guess it was just I was having to go through a lot of things that I wasn't used to. Yeah, out of routine. So, you know, I'd never done, you know, sitting there tanning yourself up, you know, getting ready, you know, huh. and obviously – Show day meals were different to normal. So as simple as they were, they messed with my head big time. I'd never known anything so complicated, which when you look back, it was like the most simple thing. <laughs> uh, on show day, I literally, you know, it was, it was chicken and rice, rice cakes, peanut butter and jam. It was like so the simple. most simplest thing yeah. I'd ever created. But it just messed with my head because it wasn't the norm. It wasn't yeah. what I was used to. And I didn't know how I felt about it and you know I you know, so the, you know it was going to that unknown 
and mm. it's probably one of the, you know, the best things ever having you there because oh. you know, even even on that day I remember telling around to you like do I eat now do I eat now <laughs> I don't ask people when I eat during the day normally I hadn't done it all through prep but that one day that was going to make you know I just I had to have somebody there to make the decision yeah I yeah. literally I needed somebody there to say right eat okay right go yeah. back go because I just didn't know what I was going into or what I was doing. Uh, obviously, many years of training, but before going on stage and pumping up, well, I've never just sat there and just pumped up. Mm. You know, I've gone into a gym and you know, hit big squats and deadlifts and things, but I've never gone into the gym with just a couple of light dumbbells and some resistance bands and tried to get a pump for <laughs> the right time and. Obviously, that backstage thing is completely different. Yeah. Uh, you've got lots of other people all doing their thing. Some people who are pumping up and then their category is not on for ages. You've got other people running around because they're late, because they've lost things, because they've lost their number. Now, it's quite chaotic back there, although I did get to a point where I loved it after I'd been on stage and came back off. But yes. yeah, that one show day, you know, just, just threw me big time. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine it. You know, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite easy to be thrown about on show day because you do, you do, you like, you have to prep these meals, you have to fit certain macro guidelines, and that's something that you've never done, and that's like, like you said, it's super new territory, and yeah. I can, I can remember like myself, like packing those meals. I'd get really anal about it. I'd be like is that the right amount of this in here or that in here and this and that? And I, you know, I remember my first ever client who steps on stage, Mark Marcus, he was asking me about a million and one questions about these show day meals. And I was like, mate, you are ready to step on stage. These meals are literally just the icing on the goddamn cake. Like yeah. when you eat them or what they are, as long as it doesn't bloat you and as long as it just gets some calories in you and some carbs in you on the day, that's all I care about. Um, and I can remember you asking, like we were sitting watching before you, you went backstage and you were like, am I having these now? Like these sweets? And I was like, no, you're having them backstage. And he's like, but, but this is, this is on the sheet, but this is on the sheet like this. And I was like, no, 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 have them, have them backstage. It's fine. Just have them when you're pumping up. And I think, you know, that, 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 that bears, that bears a lot of relevance to like, you know, if you're a first time competitor and, you know, you want to be as stress free as possible, it's probably advantageous to have someone that in a coaching environment, in a coaching space can be there on the day. Because yeah. to be fair, like nowadays, I don't see as many coaches as I would like, in my opinion, actually turning up on the day and, and supporting. Obviously, for me, it was relatively straightforward being body power. But yeah. as a coach myself... I try to get to as many as possible, um, and purely for that reason, because it, it makes such, such a big difference. You know, I just I don't think I'd have got through the day without you know. It is you know, It is mm. that just complete un that complete unknown that you just need somebody to kind of just tell you everything. And yes, it did mean I could very much go on autopilot mm. because I, I your job because I knew you were there to pretty much tell me when to eat and when to get backstage and you know it was yeah you know, it was very much the unknown which is you know also the reason why I chose to have a coach and not go it alone 
because I think you always do need that second eye and that honest eye. I remember all the guys when I first said I was competing all told me I was like six, eight weeks out. Well, 23 weeks later, I clearly wasn't six, eight weeks out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, it, it is. And you know, that, that show day, because of how different it is for somebody who's never done it, and therefore, I think whenever another show comes around, and I know a lot of people gave me the advice on your next show is always easier. Yes. Because you know what's coming. Yeah. So I know the process. I, you know, and kind of how things run rather than being a bit like, oh my God, what is all this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, as, you, uh, as I've gone on and as I've done. Like obviously, I've done two competitive seasons prior to this one. I think this one is where I've been my most chilled about the process because I sort of like I, I there's like almost flag points along your prep, and like you know where they are. Like you know, next time when you get under a specific body weight, things are going to start to feel kind of shit. So you can almost yeah. like mentally prepare yourself for that. Whereas when it's sort of in your face, you're like, whoa, I feel really shit out of nowhere. Um, and I think it's super, super important to to have those ideas of like, okay, this is this is this is digging time now. This is where yeah. I've got to have my head on. I've got to limit stress going on outside of my life. I've got to make sure that my work's in a good place. I've got to make sure that my relationships are all good. I've got to warn people that I'm going to be a bit groggy and irritable. And you can sort of like you can prevent a lot of the shit that goes on. Yeah. Like I've recently just literally told my parents, I'm like. I'm pretty close now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm coming home in the evenings and I'm irritable. Um, <laughs> the best way to avoid potentially having a little bit of a heated debate is just letting me crack on with my stuff, and then yeah. I'll have a chat to you when when I can chat to you, as opposed to me coming in and bombarded with eight questions. Like, where's this? <laughs> where's that? And I'd just like blow up and flip. So I think yeah. like, prevention is one of the best things that you can do. Um, so that's awesome cool well i think we will leave it there for our discussion now we did have a few questions on facebook that we'll quickly rattle through that we haven't quite covered so quick fire okay. quick fire on these andrew because we're right we're running short on time so um first one was from ben heron and he asked what's both of your thoughts on metabolic adaptations during prep now, do you want me to take this one first or do you want to take it? You take it. Okay, so essentially, like Ben, when you diet down, your resting metabolic rate is going to downregulate anyway. So regardless of what you do to stop that, your body weight coming down is going to mean that you will inherently have some slowing of your metabolic rate. However, you can potentially mitigate the metabolic adaptations by number one taking enough time to diet number two starting in a very good place this is a superb example with andrew because he started in a very good place and we gave it enough time so therefore he actually didn't end on too little calories or too high energy expenditure the 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 more you have to push the greater the adaptations are potentially going to take place I think the other thing, the one other thing to add to that, Ben, is that there has been, and with my coaching anecdotally, I have seen individuals that are more adaptive metabolically. So I'm not sure if you've experienced this, Andrew, 
but I think I've experienced some clients that whatever you do on the way up, you're just going to have to keep pushing up calories for them to gain weight. And whatever you do on the way down seems to be that every week you have to, every, or every other week, you have to make a change to get their weight shifting because some people are just more adaptive than others. Um, that's my explanation on that question. You got anything else to add on that, Andrew, at all? I think you've, you've very much covered that there. You know, cool. the, the, the body will always adapt to to look after itself uh just a bit of example i know like through my prep uh just looking at some like daily activity and like how my body was trying to save onto everything yes like yo i would have to fight to, to try and get yeah to walk to, to reach eight thousand steps yeah heard that you know i was you know going out and you know what i'd at the time would say a brisk walk i think i had the speed of a sloth uh, but you know, just to try and get some activity up during my day, whilst very quickly post show my activity had doubled, Damn. and I hadn't, I hadn't consciously thought of doing anything. I anything I say I was probably a lot lazier, but clearly I was moving about a lot more on a day to day basis. So you, yeah, you know, your body's always going to adapt to protect itself, and when it's that low in prep. Yes, you start not moving. Yeah. It, even in gym sessions, I would make less steps. Leaning. Yeah, I'd yeah. be leaning. I'd I'd sit down between sets, and you know, you'd even the way you loaded a bar would be different because you wouldn't, yeah. you know, you'd do anything you can to save having to load something up and take it down, and you know, so yeah, the, the body's always going to try and protect itself. Agreed. Agreed. Stay as active as you can keep moving as much as you can like activity trackers are good for this phase really rate them in terms of just keeping an eye on things so yeah ben hope that answers your question uh rosie tarbuck asks peak week strategies and show day protocol so we talked about show day protocol so let's ignore that run us through what we did for 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 peak week just roughly so peak week uh we had uh Three days depletion, so carbs slowly tapered down, but probably not that low compared to a lot of people. I think they only came down to 200 grams yeah. with maybe one day at 150, yeah. and fat was increasing. So it was, more, uh, it was more so a carbohydrate depletion as opposed to a yeah. calorie, yeah. So, which gave quite a nice kind of break on the diet because it gave us a different couple of food choices bacon uh bacon yeah bacon mm, mm. <laughs> uh and then we had the big carb up day the, the day before the show mm. which saw me taking 900 grams of carbs the day before yeah awesome. with a slight with a low intake on fat and a slight decrease on protein yeah cool yeah essentially essentially rosie what, what we what we were doing there is trying to create this huge super compensation effect by dropping glycogen stores pretty damn low um, and then filling them up as much as we could and i think the main take home here is do not try this unless you are one like super peeled two i wouldn't necessarily try this unless you are at least in a figure or women's physique category if you're a bikini girl do not do a rapid backload <laughs> don't like there's no point there's no point but rosie i know you well and i know that you're a figure girl 
I know that Cliff, who essentially is one of the biggest advocates of this approach, he actually uses it with quite a lot of his figure goals. <clears throat> but what I'd be careful with is I try it beforehand. So me and Andrew were luckily enough, we got the opportunity to try it about three weeks out. And we did a slightly less aggressive approach the first time, a slightly more aggressive approach. But in hindsight, Andrew was slightly more depleted the second time round. So if anything, it was kind of very similar. But I try it because you, at the end of the day, you don't know how your body's going to react. I was constantly asking Andrew, "Do you feel bloated? Do you, does your stomach feel like? Does your stomach hurt? Does anything like? Does anything feel off? Do you feel like anywhere spilled?" And throughout the entire trial and throughout the entire peak week, it was photos pretty much after every single session and every morning, pretty much. Um, so it was constant analysis. So you have to be very, very much in tune with your analysis of the process and then just making sure that you your body can handle it. And uh, like Andrew had pretty much like no bloating, no stomach issues, no nothing, just like rammed them in and it was fine. So... <laughs> Um, Josh Carr did ask about mental fatigue in the last weeks before show day and I'm pretty sure we, we very much covered that <laughs> in the podcast so we've covered that Tom Mack with the most likes on the comment asked <laughs> did you tilapia and wine so did we use any tilapia and did we use any wine daily daily <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no there, there wasn't any tilapia or wine mm. <laughs> to awesome. be fair gave me a glass of wine I'd be drunk because yeah, I don't drink it's... so it'd be, be the big mess up <laughs> it'd be ruined um cool so Sam did ask about the crumpets and bean well he didn't ask he just said cheers for the crumpet and bean idea yeah <laughs> um just a staple if, if you need to get carbs in you know it's a great way to like sort out 100 grams of carbs easy without without barely any fat and a reasonable amount of protein in there yeah for sure um now samantha curry asks was there any strength regression towards the latter stages um and also was there any impact that's a good question was there any impact on your relationship with zoe uh obviously strength decrease i think i you know, obviously my strength retention throughout was pretty good yeah uh obviously as you just dig deeper and deeper you know, things get hard and it's probably more of the mental factor of going in and hitting multiple heavy sets yes. when you're that depleted and that uncomfortable. When it's uncomfortable to walk, it's obviously very uncomfortable to get under squat bars for, you know, three, four sets and pull deadlifts for three to four sets. Yes. Uh so, although I didn't see a big drop-off, I think my squat took the biggest hit. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, I managed to maintain a lot of my pushing strength, which people always said would go. Yes. And I think my deadlift, I think I PR'd right up until like a week out from show. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you uh, absolute animal. I was finding that, you know, I would, I'd always go in, I'd always want to hit that one big set. Yes. And then I would probably end up taking about a 10% drop off the weight and then getting the other sets because I wouldn't be able to yes. repeat that performance. Be down unless sets, I was yeah. willing for my session to last maybe three to four hours because the recovery time in between would be massive. Yes. Uh, juggling work, was it? Yeah, juggling work and prep. And was there any impact on your relationships? 
Uh, right, well, we'll do the work and prep thing. Uh, that's probably the, one of the biggest things on why I chose not to go to the finals this year. And it is just making sure that when I do, I want work in a position that's, you know, I'm just in a better position and not have to make the sacrifices that I had to make for the qualifier. Sure. Because obviously what I expect from prep, I didn't get. And obviously I realized that there's a lot more kind of, you know, it's a lot more the mindset, the stress, that uncomfortable feeling. So obviously I'd say you need to be in a situation where you can still do your job. I said to many people, if I worked in your supermarket, I'd have been fired. <laughs> you know, it's it's the Tell bonus of work for yourself that you can juggle. So to anybody who steps on stage who works a regular nine to five job, like well done, because I wouldn't be able to sit there yeah, in your local off. supermarket or, you know, customer service in a bank. Well, yeah, they'd, they'd have to fire me. I, I'd have to quit for the last, you know, those last couple of weeks and find a new job. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it's definitely something, you know, you do have to have things in place to be able to plan it. And I guess being self-employed is a bonus, but then you've still got to be smart with where you put people, uh, you know, being a PT and being with a client and looking like warmed up death in the morning may not quite be the most motivating factor for them when they yeah. can see you're struggling to walk yes. around the gym with them, let alone demoing or having kind of that uplifting passion, passion and motivation because well, you're like warmed up death. Yeah. Uh, relationship. Uh, yeah. You know, it does. It, it takes, it takes its toll. Mm. Uh, Obviously, I think I am lucky because both me and Zoe do share the passion for training. And although Zoe decided not to compete, uh, she was still quite restrictive on her diet. Sure. Throughout, uh, I know we did find a picture of her a couple of days, you know, few weeks before body power with you know, really, really lean abs. As in like, wow, I, I, I didn't even know she got to that leanness, probably because my prep head. But, you know... It does, you know, I think Zoe's really understanding because she does share the passion of training and she understands what it takes. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, it is a strain because of the things you can and can't do. And, you know, even you know, when you're that deep and, like, walking around, like, going downtown was hard work because it takes so long because it was hard work walking around. Mm. Uh, I know, you know, we did always try and kind of get out and do things – as much as possible but you know it does make things limiting and i think you try to then kind of go for the easier easier approach so Not rather than it. trying to <laughs> work out or oh, where can i eat or what can i eat or you know packing up the protein bar in your pocket and going for a black coffee was probably about as extravagant as you can get on prep yeah uh you know you couldn't you couldn't really do that much easily so you just didn't do it. You just sit in and you know watch a Netflix or you know. So yeah, definitely, definitely takes a toll. And you know, she'd quite often you know, if I was having a bad time, you know, she'd snap at me. And you know, there's there's definitely that strain. There's yeah. there's you know, you've got to be in a relationship with somebody who's understanding. Sure. And I think equally, even just around you know the people around you need to be understanding and i think for a lot of people around me they'd never seen somebody go through a prep process like i did yeah 
And you uh, couldn't even warn them because you didn't really know what it was going to be like. I didn't know what was coming. All I knew is like, oh, I might be a bit grumpy and irritable. But yeah, you know, I wasn't me. And you know, Zoe even said, no. A couple of days after the show, she's like, it feels like I've got you back. Because prep, she goes, you weren't you. She goes, you was you, but like the way you were, your personality, your character, it slowly kind of gets sucked away. Yeah, sure. Awesome. Well, also, Becky Barnes and James Pointer, thanks for asking questions. But I highly believe that we dealt with both of those in the podcast itself with regards to how you're handling post-show and then also going on holiday, which you definitely talked about with the cake. Yeah, <laughs> um, too much cake. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, guys, like, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Is there anything else you would like to leave andrew at all and also like make sure that you tell people where to follow you and if anyone's interested in like coaching from yourself where they can potentially go or how they can contact you okay uh i don't think there's anything uh, i necessarily want to add because it's been been great to kind of chat to you again because we haven't really had that much contact post show nice nice, Uh, nice to catch up for anybody that's wondering yes uh, i I will step back on stage. I'm not too sure when, whether it'll be next year or the year after, but I'm, you know, I definitely want to be back on that stage to get that feeling because it was just, just out of this world. And, you know, I want to better myself and I want to be set up into a situation where I can take it onto the finals. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's probably the only thing I want to add because I guess some people, especially those that have followed my prep will probably sure. be like, where is he now? Is he just eating cake? Uh-huh. And, pulling big deadlifts <laughs> uh yeah probably but obviously you know, i'm not going to go too off track because you know competition is you know, is a long-term goal set there so there's always going to be that focus on that sure uh gonna say if if you want to find me then instagram andrew rogers pt mm-hmm. and then also facebook andrew rogers pt you'll awesome. find me through both of them if you are interested in coaching uh, obviously, I don't deal with things to the level that AJ does in terms of contest prep, but I do a lot more kind of general population and kind of working with people kind of new and beginning in the gym. Then, yeah, but find me on Facebook. Awesome. Now, I will leave any links to Andrew's stuff in the bio. And like he said, you know, if you're if you're on that newer end of the scale, like yeah. don't don't feel afraid to reach out. And even you know, if even if you've just got a question. Andrew like reach out and ensure that he'll be very willing to help and likewise if you guys have got any questions or you love the podcast you love the episode make sure to tell us so either either take a a screenshot of the of the podcast on your iPhone take a screenshot tag us both in it put it on your story tell us how you liked it that would be awesome or if you're on YouTube and you're watching us uh, both on the video then just comment below and just say how much you enjoyed it or any questions that you've got and obviously give us a like if you can subscribe for more episodes coming i've got a cool one coming next week as well uh but yeah guys thanks very much for listening cheers andrew and we'll speak to you soon cheers andrew okay thank you very much speak soon